Welcome back to He's Abroad. Wait, 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 wait. wait. This is it. You always start. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to He's Abroad. I'm John here local in New Zealand, getting ready to spring forward, starting the beautiful spring and summer season in New Zealand. And Jason is abroad in the depths of New York City. Jason, how you doing? Am I in the depths? Yeah, you're in, you're in, you're deep in Brooklyn, deep Brooklyn, deep Brooklyn. You are when you're saying, when you're saying deep Brooklyn, is that, I feel like that would be in the middle. Like this is no fringe South, South. I mean, you're basically Staten Island. Yeah. Same district. Same. uh, We vote. The only district that went for Trump, didn't it? Uh, Not the only one, but probably the only one in New York city. Definitely did go red and we flipped it blue in 2018. All right. Let's see if you can keep it blue. But anyways, yeah. how's uh, how's it going in New York? It's going all right. It's not too bad. Went to the dentist earlier. That's a good time. Yeah, it's always fun. Uh, getting Keith getting look, my looking good. No, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised the amount of sugar you eat. Do you, yeah, well. Does your dentist listen to this podcast and, and remark that you've talked about French toast for the last nine months? No, no, it's been pancakes and French toast. I you know I don't want to be tomato tomato to the dentist. I suppose so, but <laughs> yeah, it was good. My my dentist kind of disappeared, uh, so now I have a different one. Hoverboard? Very... No, I don't think so. She give you the hoverboard treatment? No, no. I was I was awake the whole time. It would have been hard to uh, to slip in uh, the hoverboard at any point. She also doesn't seem like the hoverboard type. But that's Does just she try a, to talk uh, to you when she's like got you know yes. fingers in your mouth and pulling apart, and you're just like, I can't have a discussion with you right now. Please stop asking. Yeah, me like questions. when there when there's a sharp object in your mouth, like don't ask me a question unless it unless I could answer it with a thumbs up or thumbs down. Because there's a point she she was like kind of rubbing some spinning thing on my on my teeth, and she's like, Do you, "Does that hurt?" And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to say well, one no, but I'm not going to say." No, and so I just gave a thumbs up. I'm like, but but in that case, that could mean either thumbs up, I'm good, or thumbs up, it hurts. It like the affirmative of the thumbs up is too vague at that point. But we got through it. Everything was fine. You know, I she she said I was a good patient. I'm like, that's cool. I appreciate that. I don't complain. I'm not a whiner on there because you're doing your job, and I'm here to uh, you know take whatever. I'm here to pay whatever bill that I gave myself from eating all those pancakes yeah i guess so you know like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger so when you go to the doctor assuming i'm not going under anesthesia probably not gonna kill me yeah i mean you'd hope so but there's a lot of people who don't wake up from anesthesia that's why i said if it's not anesthesia i'm probably gonna be okay anesthesia they make you sign something because it can kill you yeah very low odds but you know for the most yeah, part, so if you're if you're not, just, uh, so you're sorry, you're I, just, I misheard that. But yeah, if you're yeah, not yeah. under anesthesia, then you're then you're fine. Yeah, usually because yeah, you, you can stop you just, it. <laughs> that's true. You can you can poke it. At, you can poke in my mouth. You poke, poke my teeth. It's all good. Um, but yeah, they you know talking a little bit about food. I don't really have much. Oh, I did get that French toast. By the way, I got it. The mochi matcha French toast from Kimika. Um, I had was it. Was it all you expected it to be? Yeah, it was great. It was actually surprising how light it was like it wasn't heavy it wasn't huge so it was a it was a nice little breakfast you know felt like a treat without without bogging myself down there's a place uh called norma's 
I don't know if I've talked about it before. If I, I told feel like you about there's this. 20 Normas in New York City. <laughs> like there's a lot of Normas who open up restaurants. This one's in the Parker Meridian Hotel, and they deal in excess. In a way, uh, yeah, that, I'm looking at the pictures now. Jesus. In a yeah, exactly. In a way <laughs> that no other, that the very few other places do. Like when I say deal in excess, I'm not talking about. They gave you a couple extra pancakes. No, this is the place where I ordered a uh, cheesecake stuffed donut, glazed donut French toast. And there was a scoop of ice cream on top and a slice of an orange just to be like, ha, look at this. (laughs) So so I want to read something from their menu real quick, right? There's something called the old number seven. Are you aware of the old number seven? No. Okay. So I, I don't got, know their whole menu by heart. I know the things that I liked. Uh, I've been there maybe four times. So, so I'm just going to read this, right? One biscuit, three scrambled eggs, bacon and hash browns, smothered in sausage gravy topped with cheese, jalapenos, tomatoes, and another biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's what yeah. you're dealing with there. Like I named one biscuit at the beginning and then at the end, oh, we're going to throw in another biscuit. Why not? <laughs> yeah. The place really like, they know what they're doing. Man, it's so super expensive. Too. Look at that. I mean, not, I mean, yeah, I guess this is living in New Zealand, right? I see breakfast for nine ninety nine, and I'm like, that's a deal in Wait, New Zealand. In, in, again, New a- Zealand's expensive. Nine ninety nine and Kiwi bucks is what? Like 16 bucks. Seven. It's like $6. No, I'm no, I'm saying like 9.99 US oh, is like yeah, yeah, like 15 yeah. bucks New Zealand. Yeah. So, I mean, something like that would cost you 25 bucks here. Easy. There's something on that menu for 9.99. I most things on that menu I remember are like 30 bucks. They're all 9.99 on here. At least the breakfast menu. I'm, I'm scrolling down here. Normas? Are you looking uh, at the right thing? I think so. I don't know if you're looking at the right thing. Normas. I, not? I just went to the first yeah. link, right? Contact us. Let's see. This is going to be somewhere else in America, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, probably. If this place, Bad, yeah, there's. I mean, still though, that still was a lot. Texas-sized no, dishes at Norma's Cafe. Yeah, there's no way you're looking at the wrong thing. Wrong. They're, see, that's what I mean. There's a ton of Normas. Like how the word a, the word Texas is not going to be in this menu. Let me let me. That this is the menu. All right. <laughs> okay. Am I about to be shocked that the thing that I thought was shocking is not actually shocking at all? Oh yeah, this yes. place is in Texas. Oh, so look, if you're in Dallas, Texas, go to Norma's. <laughs> Yeah, so here we go. This is yeah, so this is the place where they have the cheesecake stuffed coconut rolled with orange drizzle and vanilla ice cream. That's the donut even go there French toast. Oh yeah, um, this is okay, this is New York prices. I was reading Texas prices. Man, I gotta move yeah, to Texas because yeah. that was cheap. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate uh, yeah, decadence yeah. French this is more toast. What I would expect. Absolutely. Okay, so this is New York prices. Let's see. Okay, I'm reading reading through it. Yeah, yeah. This stuff is this stuff is very expensive. Wow, the zillion dollar lobster frittata. Yeah. Is that two hundred bucks? Am I reading that right? Uh, that would be two thousand dollars. <laughs> no, but it's two hundred bucks for a regular one ounce size. Yes, serruga Cer- caviar. Yeah, and yeah. then a supervised ten ounce super size ten ounce serruga caviar is two thousand dollars. And Norma dares you to expense this. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing because the the hotel yeah, they're they in do. is like this five star hotel in uh, it's like just south of Columbus uh, Columbus Circle. So they know they know what they're doing. I mean, the, the chocolate French toast is just like chocolate cake. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, these it's some of these delicious. Are, wow, it's some of the most delicious. Wow, super cheesy French toast. Huh, that's an interesting twist. A little super cheesy French toast with caramelized onions and applewood smoked bacon. Get some a little savory with your sweet there. Yeah. Wow. Not my, not my jam, but I, I respect it. Game respects game, as it were. <laughs> 
You get a foie gras brioche French toast for forty five dollars. Oh, we we don't support foie gras on the podcast. No, and I'm and I'm pretty sure that it's becoming illegal in New York. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, when you're getting servuga, what the heck's a servuga? I don't know. Should I look it up? Let's see. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Servuga caviar. Wow. Uh, okay. It's like fish eggs. I mean, caviar. Yes, is- it's one of the highest prices, uh, price varieties of caviar. Eclipse and cost only by the beluga in the Ocetra varieties. It's harvested from a variety of critically endangered sturgeon fish species that are also known for their small gray-colored eggs in Eastern Europe. It is harvested from the Sur- the Sevruga sturgeon, which is a fish you can catch an Animal Crossing. <laughs> well, let me let me be clear here. You're not you're not eating ethically at this place. Nothing at Norma's is done in good faith. You know, you're you're killing yourself with every bite. You're eating. You could you have the choice of foie gras or these endangered fish eggs. Like you're you're eating among a bunch of the the rich the the rich one percenters who you know probably go there every week because they can because of some crazy shady deal they've done the the last uh, the earlier years of their life. Uh, you know, th- there's it's not a place where you feel good about yourself, and that that just kind of drives it home because. Does anybody do you, you kind of have to be an asshole to just eat caviar, right? <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually had caviar that I remember. The one thing I'm looking at this list in New Zealand of like these exotic French foods, right? So there's caviar, there's foie gras. Escargot I've had a couple of times. It's delicious. It, it, it's weirdly delicious. I feel like it shouldn't so be delicious. Good. What it is. It's but it's because just butter and you're salt. American. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. American we we've done some really messed up things in America. And I think that I was thinking about this before, like marketing in America is really fucked with our minds where for some reason it feels less weird to eat a can of tuna than a tuna steak. Yeah. It's like a can of unknown, weird mashed up fish that's probably that's cooked, I guess already through unidentifiable coming out of a can versus a fillet of fish raw which seems to most likely come from that fish itself identifiably speaking but no instead the tuna is associated with a can of tuna or a tuna salad because the only way to really enjoy that i guess is with a with a shit ton of mayo which is gross (laughs) yeah no thank you no thank you so (sighs) that's that this is just one of these things it's like uh i don't remember i lost the thread but but yeah, caviar. You got it. You, you're kind of an asshole if you're eating. I caviar, mean, caviar is paired with like with like champagne. Like it's it's like the ultimate French. Uh, caviar itself, like roe, is essentially the same as caviar. What's yes. the difference between well, roe and like caviar? It's just bubbles and champagne, right? Like the one, it's just it's the same thing. It's like well, it's just made here in in champagne, right? Like that's the only reason why champagne has a name to it. So there's a bunch of French stuff like that. That's just like the French were really awful. They, you know, they force fed ducks and they took fish from from uh, the babies from fish mothers and are, or whatever they are, <laughs> fish, fish babies. And uh, yeah, and grapes from champagne. And they sat there and ate this as they as they laughed. That's why the revolution happened. I don't. That's why they killed their. That's why they killed their uh, their class. Their uh, you know their monarchy that's why. because yeah they, they were sitting there eating they, caviar but then, and. But what do they try the caviar and they're like we could keep some of this. Yeah, they're like it's actually pretty good, <laughs> but now we can. Is it, it though? Is it? I the texture of it's weird. Even row, the texture is kind of bizarre. Like it, if you're eating it in the same bite, but is anybody just eating caviar? Like 
I mean, you have to have a cracker with it, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't think you eat or bread. You got to spread it on something. I don't think you just eat caviar. There you like, go. Like a spoonful. There you go, rich fucks. Even, even though you're ordering, you're you're having your two thousand dollar caviar. You still got to put that shit in a saltine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much a very expensive saltine or or a Ritz cracker. Well, so apparently this is Russian. This very expensive caviar is Russian. Just to just to put it out there, since we've been dogging on the French. You this were dogging on the French. I didn't say anything about the French. All right, I work for those people. They're very nice people. Whoa! Look at this fish. I'm watching a YouTube video as we're talking about this. This is actually pretty cool. I'm gonna watch this later. All right, continue. <laughs> Cool. All right. Yeah. So that was. Uh, so anyway, not anyway. The only point I brought that up, not like that at all. It's very, very tastefully done. Very delicious. The I do recommend the the matcha mochi French toast from Kimika. Um, otherwise, I, I should note, as you brought to my attention, we you owe somebody a dollar. Yep. Uh, I paid so my if dollar you, today. Oh, you paid it. I paid it. Yeah, again, I wasn't joking around. I paid it. I thought you, you it, I thought you said you didn't know who it was. I do know who it was. I just didn't tell you. I wanted you to read the review. Oh, well, I was I, gonna read it anyway. Yeah, read All it. All right, anyway. so here we go. So we got the review, five stars. If you if you review, if you haven't been paying attention, I'm pretty sure this is uh against Apple's terms of service, but we'll we'll do it until we get in trouble for it. Fight so me, yeah, exactly. Uh so if uh if you review the podcast, John will send you a dollar. Again, a denomination to be determined, but you would get a spendable dollar. So again, and, it, and quite frankly, you know, like this this person got a U.S. dollar. The next time, ooh. it might be a New Zealand dollar, or it might be uh, the equivalent of pesos in a dollar. It might okay. be Bitcoin. You might get lucky, ooh. and I might dive into my Bitcoin stash and give you a, the same percentage of Bitcoin, which I believe is point zero 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 one Bitcoin or something nuts like that. Whatever, it's worth so a you dollar. Worth yeah. a dollar. All right. Here we go. So it was make it rain five stars from beyond helped. I'm not sure who coined the phrase, but I think this podcast is right on the money. Hashtag dollar. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Look, you got a five star review. You get a dollar. That's it. Look, we don't have to tell Apple this. It's a great review. Contact me. Yeah. Just let us know. And if you don't know so, us personally, you know, hit us up on uh, Twitter or you comment on one of the episodes, whatever. Find us. This place to find us. So shout out to Anthony, who is in Cleveland, Ohio. Right on. Thanks, Anthony. For leaving us the review. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening. And if you can get anyone else to leave a review, I'll give them a secret dollar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can, you can vouch. You can vouch. I paid it immediately. I pay my debts. Good stuff. And a quality review. I do like it. Very, cool. Very nice good stuff so you have any anything you want to talk about how's uh you in the house yet no uh so next not this week but the next week is when we settle and we'll be moving in so it'll be very interesting i hope that there's not an internet saga to be had because internet's always a tricky one (laughs) getting internet installed in a new place so let's hope all goes smoothly so hopefully the podcasts are uninterrupted but we'll see we'll see what happens all right cool so with that, let's let's jump into some news here. Um, we won't not too much heavy stuff here. We might we might get into it, but we'll find out. So here we go. Three articles. Uh, you're familiar with one of them. I saw it before you did as well, but happy to talk about it. It's a fun one. So we're gonna so your options are Amazon, MTA, or the Academy Awards. Let's leave the Academy Awards for last. 
good call. Let's just go in the order you gave it. Amazon right. first, MTA, and then the Academy Awards. Okay, cool. Uh, yesterday, Amazon a bunch announced a whole lot of crap, like a whole bunch of stuff. Are you familiar with any of it? No. Okay, cool. So they they announced uh, a new gaming service, like a streaming game service to compete with Stadia and xCloud, etc. Uh, so that's cool. And they announced a new Fire Stick, like a Fire TV stick. I think they announced two of them. But more importantly, they announced this thing. And I'm going to read from Engadget with the details. So Ring knows that I'm skipping the headline. I'm just going to jump right in because I'm hoping they tease it a little more. Ring knows that there are Ring uh, is the security company. They made that doorbell doorbell. The doorbell yeah. And yes. they were, they were I've, bought I've been by looking Amazon at these devices. Ago. Yes. I've been looking at these devices because when you own a home, you want to kit it out with a bunch of stuff that you probably don't need. Well, I, I got something that you, this, this is something you're going to want to pay attention to. Cause yeah, ring knows that there are only so many places in your home that you want to permanently put a camera. And sometimes that isn't enough. That's why the company is building the ring always home cam, a small drone that can patrol from room to room and keep watch over your stuff. As well as offering an extra layer of security, you can use the device to check specific worries, like if you left a window open or your burners on. Naturally, the Always Home Cam integrates with the wider Ring ecosystem and will fly a patrol whenever its sensors are triggered in away mode. You won't be able to manually control the craft, but you can watch it go up and about its business on a live feed via the Ring app. That way, you'll have fair warning should somebody wander in your, into your apartment when you're out at the grocery store. Building the drone was, quote, no mean feat, according to founder Jamie Siminoff, adding that it was a challenge to integrate Ring software and hardware teams to pull this off. No shit. The blades are, sh- are shrouded and Ring says that the Ring says that its collision avoidance technology is good enough to zoom around the tight spaces of your home. In addition, the drone only flies on pre on preordained flight paths, reducing the risk you're driving it into a wall. That's good. This year, Ring has come under enormous. Uh, okay, this is getting more into the politics of it. Uh, let's see. So I'll just skip. I'm that. aware of Ring politics because I listened to the how I built this podcast about Ring, which is very interesting. Oh, oh, actually, this is this is actually important. So this year, Ring has come onto under enormous uh, scrutiny over its privacy practices, something that it wanted to address when announcing the Always Home Cam. As part of this, the drone is designed to hum loudly while it flight while in flight to warn people that it's filming. And when it docks, the camera is obscured by the base station. Amazon isn't the only for, isn't the first company offering home patrol drones, although it may be the most accessible. Sunflower Labs at the start of this year showed off a $10,000 drone that could monitor the outside of your home. Thankfully, Ring's version will only cost $250 when it goes on sale in 2021. At the same time, Ring also wants to protect your mail with the imaginatively titled mailbox sensor, which attaches to your mailbox. The unit, which sits inside the door, will detect motion and alert your phone when you know that that mail has been placed inside. Unlike the other products Ring announced today, it'll be available to pre-order on October 8th, setting you back the altogether reasonable price of $30. What do you think about this? I'm watching this video and... It's actually not that bad. It's actually kind of cool. <laughs> it's really cool. Like, it's really fucking cool. Like, like, I'm watching the video of, like, the basically yeah. this thing sits in a station, and then you basically just, like, launch it, and then it just basically, like, goes up. 
And then it sort of starts to patrol your house. Now, again, I don't think <laughs> this video of this like dude looking at it, and then he's got this puzzle face. There's a robber in his house, and the drone like goes up to the robber. I mean, at the same time, I feel like if you're gonna break into someone's house, you would just swat this thing out of the air, right? Like that's kind of a thing. Like it's not a, it's not a hidden thing. It's more like, like you just I like to look at the guy who's getting the feedback. Be like, oh, what? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh, let uh, me turn on my drone and, then, and fly around, and then uh, and then chasing after this Steve Buscemi looking guy as he runs yeah. out of the. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a cool idea. Like I don't know, I, I I was expecting to be skeptical about this as you were reading it, and then I found this video, yeah. and it's actually pretty cool because it's not that big. It's and it oh. kind of docks in, and I mean if you just wanted to like literally just take a quick glance around your house. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, do you train it like a Roomba? Like, do you have to fly this around your house once to get it mapped? It said and you then, would set flight paths. I'm not really yeah. sure, but it's awesome because if you think about it, like, did I, what are the questions that you ask yourself when you go out? It's like, did I, did I turn off the stove? Yeah. Did I, did I lock the door? You know, what, whatever it is, this is, this is just a cool way to, to just, you've mapped the flight paths to check on any of those things. So make right. sure it does a full sweep and then boom. You got it. I think this is cool as hell. Like we're we are with these drones and things like that. Like we're kind of at the point and Roombas and all that stuff. We're basically in the future. Like those the vision of the future that a lot of like sci fi movies had. We're we're really knocking on the door. Things don't aren't as shiny as they are in those. Yeah. yeah, And and we're just catching up with the LEDs. But the uh, but the actual function of those things is really starting to take hold. And I think this is just super badass. Is it creepy? It can yeah. be, I suppose. Like yeah. you can't remote access it, but I don't see why somebody else can't. And yeah, there's probably going to be some problems there, but overall for the 99.9999999% of people, it'll be fine. And it'll just be a really cool tool to have, but it's like the ring Their Their general premise is that the, most people are not deterred. Most of the criminals are deterred by somebody like answering the door. Like they'll rob you during the day. So the fact that you know they're showing up is enough to deter them. And this is just another level of that thing where, all right, cool. We got inside. Oh, well now we can see you. And no matter where you are, because we got this little flying thing and no matter what, even if you get away and take your shit and be like swatted out, as you said, Right. I still see you. I know what's going yeah, it's on. It's still been recorded. Obviously, if you're close enough to swat it and it's a yep. 1080, you know, it's extremely high quality video. It's something that you can sort of, like you said, set on a flight path and just look around your house if you wanted to check other rooms versus having cameras everywhere that are fairly stationary, right? This yeah. is sort of like a three, the equivalent of having a 360 camera in every room in your house that you can fly around and look at. I mean, look, I, I was skeptical at first, but this is because drones I'm generally skeptical about, right? Because like drones, Amazon, remember when Amazon was supposed to be delivering us packages with drones? Do you remember that? Or the, or it was the postal service. Someone was supposed to be delivering no, us. No, it was Amazon. Amazon was okay. talking about it. You, th- you think it's, you think there's still a pipe dream? I think it is, yeah. That's a matter of when. That's not a matter of if. <laughs> I think it's a pipe dream because I just think, I think I've seen too many videos of drones getting attacked by birds. I think nature is going to be a force like that. I mean, or if the birds are just drones, right? We ever come out and admit that. that the, right. That the That's the are, thing. They'll just turn off the birds or they'll be smart enough to avoid it because they'll all be, you know, the government will just sync up with Amazon and whatever. It'll be fine. So are you going to buy this? No, I, I, I'm not going to buy it just because I don't really feel the need for it. Um, 
I got home insurance. The way this like, guy takes, opened up this I, door. I, I, I invite somebody to come in and steal all my shit. Like steal a bunch of shit and let so, me just so start you can, So you can get the insurance money and buy something else. <laughs> yeah, like I'll, I'll just replace it. I, I don't think there's much here. Like once you have... Let me keep my switch. Leave my switch because they have That's really the first bad. Thing they're taking. <laughs> no, it's the cheapest. It's the cheapest of the hardware. But the reason, and it's going to be the on easiest me at to the steal, time. though. It's I'm rarely. I'm also rarely out of the house without my switch. The only reason I say don't take the switch is because all that storage is local, so like all that progress is gone. Everything else is in the cloud. So take the Xbox. Go ahead. Take the TV. Take the PS4. Take whatever you want. Just go ahead. Run amok destroy some shit and then you know i got i got my let cheap lemonade insurance it's great they raised the rate from five to six bucks a month <laughs> it's unbelievable yeah i mean look i i think there's a lot of stuff like i mean even like vr and ar and all this stuff like again i think you're right this is what the future looks like it's not as nearly as like flying car right i think the vehicle stuff is going to be the last thing to change funny enough but i think all of this make your life easier and especially now i mean it's interesting because i think more people working from home is going to make the next level of technology change, right? It's going to change what we need technology for. So travel and things become less important, which is why I just, and again, the travel stuff was always tricky. Like how do you automate driving? Like it's there, but then the first time it crashes, what happens, right? Like who's responsible, all that type of legal stuff. Where I think there's going to be a lot more home automation, make your, make your life easier in your house. Um, that's Turn going to be become- that thing from Wally. Because you don't yeah. have to get up for anything. When when is this drone gonna have a cup holder? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. Can the drone give me stuff? Like, can it bring me stuff? Can I use it to no. like flight path to the refrigerator to get me a glass of water, or like flight path to the to the cupboard to get a glass? You pick the glass this up. Is, the, you this didn't thing get is the just faucet. So, yeah, I want all that. It's so sleek. That's the thing. Like, it's so small. It's very really small, cool. Very small. It's like a little box. Yeah, and it, it's just this is awesome product design. Like, it's really a cool. I just thought it was one of the cooler products they announced. Uh, yeah, it, we're, we're approaching the future. I think that you mentioned cars and flying cars are probably going to be the last thing. I, I think that public transportation feels more futuristic than cars. And that, and that should be the thing that evolves more so than what kind of cars am I driving and whether or not I have a flying car or not. The... Because you could, you could have a pretty joyous experience in public transportation, and you could keep making that better and better and better, get you places faster with more tracks, things like that. Like, look at the Hyperloop. Right. Yeah. That dream is, what is it, San Francisco to LA at an hour? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> All right. Until a car could get anywhere could close do that, yeah. to that, then it's I don't not care if it's flying or not. Like, what's the point? Now, again, you're also talking from a very big city thought process as well. Yeah, but I, I, want, be, like, I want that experience car. to get yeah. me further. Let me get that yeah. further. If you can get, me, if you can get me to San Francisco to LA in an hour, why can't it get me from New York to Chicago in, you know, let's call it two or three hours? That's not bad at all. That's that's the time you spend it in. That's the time it takes to drive to the airport or get a car to the airport and drive somewhere and and get through TSA and kill time and have a delay and all these other things like that feels like a much cooler experience. Plus, put a bar in the thing. Right. Give me a drink car. Well, that's what makes all this interesting, because, yeah, like, again, as people are less willing to 
travel by plane, right? Like the airline industry, out of all the industries out of the coronavirus, right? There's two that I think are going to be like, it's going to change everything. I think cruise ships are done. <laughs> I really do. I think like cruise ships are going to be such a luxury and they're going to be scaled down to number of people. Like all of the worst cases of the virus where you hear people's experience about like being stuck on a boat for months, right? It's all been on cruise ships. Yeah, but cruise ships might become awesome at that point. <laughs> yeah, they might, but yeah. Like, you know, like you're basically be... getting out all the people that make cruise ships intolerable. Yes, because <laughs> yeah, you raise the price and there's less of them. There's less. Price. You're having you're having the required. You're having the number of people and you're doubling the prices. Okay, it's worth it. It's still all I can eat. So look, maybe the same thing happens for flights then. Maybe I take that back. Maybe flights is the same thing, right? What's the most inconvenient thing about flying it's the number of people it's the people that you have to deal with the experience of trying to get a bunch of people through this tube it's all of that stuff and what if you minimize that where it's like okay this is now an extremely luxury experience and you have to pay for it and everything is basically business class because that's where they're making their money yeah yeah that sounds awesome like uh la company la company i think is the french uh airline la company. All, <laughs> yeah it's like it's all business class yeah yeah, so maybe that's where we're going. Like same thing with the like the hyperloop stuff. Like again, yeah, I just think making local transportation faster, right? Like if I do travel, I don't, you know, do I need to own a car? I only travel, let's say I used to travel 50% of my time. Now I travel 5% of the time because, you know, I've moved work from home, everything is just different. And when I travel, I want it to be quick and efficient and public. Then is that is that the way that you do it? Do you invest in these public infrastructures or do you try to get flying, you know, auto, autonomous flying cars on the road or just autonomous first, obviously, and then some cars that hover so you can save the roads? <laughs> Imagine a world where we didn't fuck around and deny the virus for the last six months. And the, we, and the first we. Yeah. Yeah, we, 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 you're, you're, you're president. And then and we, and the <laughs> we, first thing, and the first thing you did, listen, let me finish the first thing you did was in that stimulus you also made a jobs program to build build infrastructure like all of a sudden all the people who are out of work well guess what we got jobs available we need people because we're, we're gonna start rebuilding shit while everybody is stuck inside you could come out and build some stuff outside yeah just wear the mask absolutely that would have been the time to do it right like that that only would have been the let's, time to do let's it. say yeah. you didn't know that information in march cool you could have done that we we knew what we know now effectively everybody's got to wear a mask and that things are okay outside of may do that in may now it's time to do it they put up some crazy fast buildings here in new york in the last six months yeah yeah, yeah, again, like, like when there's not traffic and people and all that stuff in closure and you can pretty much work 24-7, you should have been able to say, hey, I know that the economy shut down, but we built a bunch of stuff that we've been trying to build for years. Yeah. Like like the Second Avenue subway line that apparently works, right? That's a thing. Yeah, it's great. It's Is really it? good. I'm real jealous because I, I paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Yeah, you're welcome. I paid for that and I, I want to write it. <laughs> but just imagine if that tunnel i still think it would have taken forever but just imagine if like you would have had a pandemic for a solid year and everyone's stuck inside they would have been able to build just think about how much mta problems they could have fixed if that's what they would have just focused on right yeah like all of the signal problems uh, and all the switch problems like just imagine you just like okay we're gonna actually fix this stuff once and for all yeah the mta is not great like you know what's funny is that I'll often benefit from some other people's apparent woes like i'm coming back from a hockey game last night Really, really bad skate. Really, really rough skate. But uh, I'm I'm coming back. I'm taking the train. I'm on the R at 1030. That should be 
all local all the way. So it should be hitting lower Manhattan, um, downtown Brooklyn, all those stops. No, it actually runs express from canal. So it skips about 12 stops, which is amazing for me, but anybody who wants to hit those stops. Like you want to take the, the, uh, like the Staten Island ferry. Well, you're SOL. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And usually that stuff wouldn't happen until 11 o'clock, but I guess here now it's starting at 10 o'clock and trains will run like every 15 minutes. So you miss a train. It's not like eight or nine minutes anymore. No, it's twice as long, which adds up, which adds up, especially when you're transferring all these other things. So trains are running optimally, but they're running to the, I guess the capacity that they need to based on the ridership. Cause that's still down. Right. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They could have, they could have made some more, now that things are where they are now it was a lot different in april may june so yeah just imagine if you had these scheduled shutdowns like just in the middle of the just like hey you know we're gonna all do work from home for a quarter a year like imagine if you wrote that into your planning a quarter a year right so let's just say we pick what the second quarter of every year um yeah because that's our Maybe the, the first winter. quarter, right? Maybe the yeah. first quarter, right? So basically, yeah, yeah. after Christmas and New Year's, you basically roll into work from home January, February, March, right? And then everyone goes back to normal life in April, and you just do this, right? You try to you try to kill flu season this way, right? I know flu season starts a little bit earlier, but let's just say that you go, okay, starting Thanksgiving or start, I mean, yeah, basically, yeah, you, know you what? do, you do Thanksgiving. No, yeah, Thanksgiving, perfect, like this, Thanksgiving until end of March, right? It's all work from home. And then you roll right into the holiday, right? So because people are half doing stuff anyways, right? Like after Thanksgiving, no one's really working, right? Like some people are trying to get their quarterly reports and finish up stuff to get some money, like that type of stuff, right? Imagine if you could just do that from home as you're doing Christmas shopping and as you're, you know, you're cooking for family and you're doing stuff, right? Just shut everything down from Thanksgiving. You know what? Thanksgiving until Easter. Just shut it down. Shut it down. You get through winter. You get through all of this stuff, and you actually plan services and fixing fundamental things so that way they're ready for spring. Yeah. Be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, be pretty good. I think you could actually build an economy that actually really works well because you're not any less, as we found, the majority of people. And I say this knowing that there's plenty of people in service industries and people who have to go into somewhere to work, right? And everyone's not able to work at a computer. But just imagine if you found a system where you know people who have to go into jobs are still getting paid. And then they are, you know, from probably have to do it in the summer when there's no uh, because teachers. No, but no, that's what I mean, though, right? Like teachers can still do work from like they go, oh, yeah, sure. they meet their students and stuff. But like again, you do online learning for around Christmas until Easter, and then you finish up the last part of the year with your students, and then you have your regular time off. So you're still working. It's not like you're not doing stuff. It's like you're yeah. still working, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it makes sense to me, but I'm not an economist, you know. If you're an economist out there, tell me why this is a bad idea. I think it's a great idea. I think this would join us. Join us on a podcast and tell us why it's a bad idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea if we just shut down. Because again, I bet you that there's more illnesses. There's more people. More people probably take their sick days during wintertime than they do any other time of the year. Like legitimate sick days. Imagine if you just kind of got rid of that. Like people aren't taking sick days. They're working from home. I like it. I like it. I think I fixed it. I think I fixed our economy. There you go. You did it. You fixed the economy. I did it. Speaking of uh, speaking of public transportation, let's uh, let's talk about this uh, MTA story. Um, you sent this to me. Do you want to do you want to read it? I saw it on the AP. Yes. 
And I wanted to see if you knew about this, and apparently you did. This is all over New York News One. That's still a thing, right? News One? Yeah, I don't get it because it's only on uh, Spectrum, formerly Time Warner. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Headline, New York from the AP. Three railroad workers have been suspended for turning a storage room under New York City's Grand Central Terminal into an unauthorized man cave with a television, a refrigerator, a microwave, and a futon couch, officials said Thursday. The Metropolitan Man Cave. A Metropolitan Transport Authority investigation found the managers at Metro North Railroad were unaware of the hideaway beneath track 114. I believe I've taken that. I think I've been on that track before. Many a New Yorker has fantasized about kicking back with a cold beer and a prime piece of Manhattan real estate, especially one this close to good transportation, MTA Inspector General Carolyn Porknoy said in the news release. But a few have a few have had the chutzpah. A few have had the chutzpah to commandeer a secret room. <laughs> I couldn't get my throat in at the chutzpah. Say it with your throat. Secret, <laughs> to commandeer a secret room beneath Grand Central Terminal. So the three Metro North employees, a wireman, a carpenter, and an electrician. I mean, that seems like a perfect combo to do this, right? You got, you got, a, you got a foreman, you got a guy that can lay some wire, and you got a carpenter who can build some stuff. Yep. So the carpenter totally built these little boxes and stuff that are in here. Um, they were suspended without pay. Oh, like come on! You can't punish these guys for this. Pending disciplinary hearings, the investigation began after MTA's office said the inspector general received an anonymous tip. Oh, somebody snitched on him in February 2019, alleging that there was a man cave under Grand Central with a couch and a flat screen TV. Yeah, somebody who wasn't three, invited. We know yeah, wow. Where three specific employees would hang out and get drunk and party. Who's <laughs> partying under the under the 114 track in the, in the Metro North line? Investigators found the room, which had wooden cabinets designed to conceal a TV and a futon, according to the to the report. Railroad officials have said the space presented a fire hazard. Of course, they did because rescue workers would not have had difficulty accessing an unmapped room. That's why they shut it down. Was because it was a fire hazard. I think they just shut it down because they wanted to stop man fun. Yeah, man. This yeah, is this is man fun. You know, I, I tell that. you know I tell Alice this all the time, right? Man fun is 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 amazing thing, right? Because man fun doesn't come with like rules, <laughs> right? Like man fun is doing stuff like this, like stuff that might actually kill you, right? Like man fun is the stuff that's like not really, it's not against the rule. Well, you know, man fun sometimes is against the rules, but it's not always against the rules. Sometimes it's doing something that like your mom would have disapproved of, like playing, you know, playing hockey inside the house, right? Or um, like here, or like you know, building a secret cave <laughs> under some place with a TV. Are you? Are you confused? Are you? Would you differentiate the between? Do, would you differentiate between man fun and boy fun? Because uh, it seems what? like you, the example you, know what? Let's you be just honest. gave is boy fun, and this feels like boy fun as well, where these guys basically wanted to build a fort. Let's be <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be honest, right? And I'm saying this for the women that listen to this podcast. Man fun and boy fun's the same thing. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't you don't ever really come on. Like, yeah, you don't, it's not that like, right. It's not that different. Like who are we kidding? <laughs> like, like like men aren't that smart, right? Like like just gonna say it. We're just not that bright. But man fun is a real thing where it's like you want to do something and you get frowned upon because it's dangerous or are you allowed to do that or that's not like that's ruining man fun. And this is like quintessential man fun. Like these three guys wanted this place to hang out, right? They they know more about what's happening underneath the largest. Is this or is the um is the other one? Well, I'm blanking. Is because Grand Central Station is not the busiest 
not the busiest uh, terminal in New York, is it? Uh, it has to be. Is it? It's that or Penn Station. Yeah, Penn Station. I was totally blanking a name on Penn Station. Um, yeah, I would say Penn Station's probably busier, right? It's got to be at least a second, right? The second. So there's again, I walk through Grand Central every single day for four and a half years, right? I walk through. I know Grand Central. I knew all the secret areas, the ways to get out. I knew where to find the guy that would, you know, that would fix your shoes and fix your bag. Like I knew every entrance in and out of Grand Central Terminal, and it's huge. It took me four and a half years to find the perfect route to work, right? Yeah, because there's so a lot of like side corridors and different places to go in and out of i've taken all of them i've taken all spider web it's it is a mess and when you learn it it's amazing you have you feel like you have the secret key because you know when things are really when things are really jam-packed in there there's always a way out right like Like, there's always a way out you're just like wait can i go in and out of this yeah you can why and then you realize that you and another guy are walking through there and then you wink at each other and you're just like yeah we we know what we're doing right you're basically going through those hallways in the matrix reloaded yeah, I mean that's what it is. It's like it's a giant portal that opened up that has you know millions of ways of entering and exiting. So like these guys obviously know where all these secret areas are. They built this, and I'm guessing. Okay, I'm gonna say something that's someone who's against man fun found out about this, right? Yeah. And you know these guys are again because the problem with men is that men like to brag about stuff like this. Uh, we we built a, we built this awesome little space underneath the underneath the train station, right? And someone said, "Are you allowed? You know, you shouldn't be allowed to do that, right?" And they probably got a real smart, smart aleck remark from this, right? Someone probably cursed them out, probably said none of your business, and so they decided to snitch because they wanted to ruin Man Fun. Now, if they were actually part of Man Fun, they would have been perfectly happy to be part of this, right? You get a nice, cool little spot. I mean, I don't know how much partying I'd want to be doing underneath the train station, like yeah, if, especially if with was, just like <laughs> two other dudes. Like you're in New York, like there's you can find anything else to do i mean these pictures are pretty else. cool like they've got chairs and stuff that hide is into like cool? little boxes this is, it's so I, nothing in this room looks comfortable <laughs> it doesn't look comfortable but think about it it's you and you and your boys you built it's the joy of building it right it's the joy of putting this secret together that is yeah. quintessential man fun it's not about the destination it's about the journey <laughs> yeah I and it was the journey to get here it was the journey to make this secret spot that they should have just kept quiet because someone always wants to ruin man fun because man fun is why the world is a terrible place. <laughs> it's why, it's why you can't work, you know, you can't work without being harassed or abused in workplaces. It's why, you know, there's this 1% it's man fun, man fun at its core is great. It's when man fun becomes the actual way of life is when it's a problem. So, like, as imagine. much as I am a proponent of man fun, there's a reason why women and other people exist to ruin man fun. Because if it was only man fun, we'd all be dead by 30. <laughs> just like, <laughs> we would be. Just we'd like, all be dead. Just like Jesus Christ. Uh, there is- 32. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. My apologies to Jesus. Um, you live longer than Jesus at this point. Close. I'm yeah, almost there. Close. Close. I'm, I'm, I'm his age right now. Yeah. As of this recording. It's just like nothing looks comfortable. The, the that futon picture looks disgusting. I mean, this, disgusting. It, you don't you don't see it in this picture, but it's you could tell some people had some other fun besides mad fun in here. Like that's that's one of the purposes. This is like the low end loft oh. movie. Do you remember that movie, The Loft? I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is like the low end version of that. Like it, in in like literally speaking, because I'm not taking you to the loft. I'm taking you to my man cave below the tracks. <laughs> like. 
Yes. I mean, but I'm sure that if you tell somebody that, it's like a it's like a new little again, it's somewhere that you've never been in New York, right? Like I'm looking more images uh, of this thing. I mean, but again, like a, some some people wanna, you know, it's the it's the forbidden fruit. Get away. It's that scene in uh you know that Dane Cook movie, Employee of the Month, right? They set up that uh, that's that alcove behind some boxes, right? They had to take the forklift to get into. That's a really obscure reference, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Andy Dick, uh, you know that other guy, the comedian, and Dane Cook, who I said already. Um, Harlan Williams. That's, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So yeah, they, and that's the thing. They got somebody gave it up. They gave it up. Dane Cook gave it up. He sold out to the man, and then they filled it up. They had it all. They had a pretty sweet setup. That place looks cooler than this, and the ventilation here looks is probably non-existent. So whatever happens in this room is Stays staying in that room. In that room. It's I mean, awful. I love the picture of like there's a microwave and then there's like a pull-up bar because one dude thought he was going to get ripped down here. Yeah. <laughs> bro, I'm going to totally get a pull-up bar, bro. I'm going to be banging out pull-ups by the time we're done with this thing. And it's still in the box. It's still yeah. in the box. And it's on the microwave. And yeah, I mean, well, I just love that. Yeah. I love the way that they spin this of like, oh, the, the writer's expense have been paying for this. It's like, no, they haven't. It's like these dudes, these bros put some real like, how do you sneak a TV down here? Right. This is not a small TV. <laughs> So these no. dudes had to like carry a box of a TV into this room. Look, I- I'm sorry. I have to respect the fact that they so the office of the inspector general found a half consumed beer in the refrigerator and an empty can of trash, a cabinet under the TV that they think was built to hide the TV, a clear plastic bag filled with sheets and a comforter, a cabinet in a locksmith st- shop storage area that hit a pullout cot. So <laughs> that was there. <laughs> So that was what they had built. So look, I mean, I I think every person has dreamed about finding a secret spot in an office and building something like this. Yeah, um, they did it, and they did it. And so look, I I applaud them for this. Now, do they deserve to be suspended? Yes, without pay, no. I mean, who do they really hurt in this? Right? This is this is man fun that didn't hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, happily. I'm happy that some of the money that I've spent over the last, you know decade or decade plus now of living in new york and then visiting new york went towards this i am happy to pay for this as a tax a former taxpayer of the state of new york and of new york city i very i'm happy that some of my money probably contributed to man fun yeah god bless you god bless you guys god bless you guys i hope you hope you guys get out all those things can be true in addition to all those things i said in that this is really (laughs) this yeah good god bless you good on you i hope you had a good time still Really fucking gross looking. Man, fun doesn't have to be clean. Come on, it's man. I know, I know, I understand that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. As a guest, I could just walk in the room and be like, "Yikes!" Yeah, you just have to appreciate that. Man, fun is what I say. It's like the lowest common denominator of of fun, and it's awful, but it's great at the same time. And if you kill man, fun then it's going to be sad times. Sad times. You need man fun. That's what keeps men alive. You can't, you can't, you can't kill man fun. You, you can't, can't kill man fun. You have to allow for some man fun to exist. Sometimes it's against the rules. Sometimes it's a little dangerous. But as long as it's not seriously life-threatening... This is hurting nobody. This is definitely an empty room that nobody was using. This is just lost to the catacombs of of the New York underground. You know, maybe they had to kick out some mole people to get access to it. But otherwise, (laughs) the rat king or the rat king had to be kicked out. He had to be. Maybe the rat king was hanging out with him. You never know. I mean, the mole people might have busted him. 
Maybe, we, maybe the mole people were upset because this was their secret hideaway. And then these guys pushed them out. So the mole people wrote like an anonymous letter that this exists. Because that's the thing that I hate. Someone anonymously snitched on these guys. Mm. So you're, you know, we're about to get political here. You, you, you got a problem <laughs> with whistle, you got a problem with whistleblowers or just. I have uh, a problem with anonymous sources. Say it with okay. your chest. <laughs> exactly. As Kevin Hart would say. Say it with say your chest. With chest. No, obviously anonymous sources need to exist, but still, like, if you're going to ruin man fun, be the Karen that you want to be. Be the Karen that you know that you are. Sit there with your arms folded. Whistleblowing and snitching is completely different. This was snitching. This is a snitch. Someone was upset. Someone was upset that they didn't. They probably made a suggestion. And the guys told him, this isn't for you. Get out. It's the He-Man Woman's Haters Club. Little, little rascal reference for all of all of those out there old enough to know about the little rascals. Oh man, uh, I'm I'm actually surprised that with all the conspiracy theory talk we've done, we've never talked about mole people. We'll have to. We'll have <laughs> I to, feel like we have though. I've we'll been... have to dive into that uh, one day. Um, one of my one of my favorite moments in the in my favorite game of all time, Deus Ex from 2000. There are there's a large segment with mole people. It's fantastic. All right. Let's move on. Start to get some real stuff. Let's talk about work. Your work. Let's talk about the Oscars. You have one, sort of. Do right? Yeah, sort of. I participated in the in the winning of an Oscar. Yeah. You are an Academy Award winner? Sure. Let's Mazel say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, then guess what? They would approve of you being a winner cuz here we go. This is written as a this is written on the Oscars website. By the way, the last article was from AP, the article before that was from Engadget. If I didn't say that, apologies. That's where the credit is. This is reading from the horse's mouth, from the golden statue itself, Oscars.org. From September 8th. It's a few weeks ago now, but still very relevant. Today, the Academy of... We're going on a journey, by the way. This is going to be a bit of a walk, but it should be okay. Today, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced new representation and inclusion standards for the for Oscars eligibility in the Best Picture category as part of its Academy Aperture 2025 initiative. The standards are designed to encourage equitable representation on and off screen in order to better reflect the diversity of movie going audience. Academy governors Devon Franklin and Jim G. Giannopoulos headed, I think that's right, headed a task force to develop the standards that were created from a template inspired by the British Film Institute diversity standards used for certain funding eligibility in the UK and eligibility in some categories of the British Academy of Film and Television Awards, but were adopted to serve the specific needs of the Academy of the Academy. The Academy also consulted with the Producers Guild of America as it present as it presently does for the Oscars eligibility. Quote, the aperture must widen to reflect our diverse global population in both the creation of motion pictures and in the audiences who connect with them. The the Academy is committed to playing a vital role in helping make this a reality. And quote, said Academy President David Rubin and Academy CEO Dawn Hudson, quote, we believe these inclusions, these inclusion standards will be a catalyst for long lasting essential change in our industry and quote for the 94th Oscars 2022, 
and the 95th Oscars 2023, submitting a confidential. Thanks for clarifying that, by the way. Didn't realize those. that's how numbers work. Submitting a confidential Academy Inclusion Standards Forum will be required for best picture consideration. However, meeting however meeting inclusion thresholds will not be required for eligibility in the best picture category until the 96th Oscars 2024 for the 96th Oscars 2024 a film must meet 2 out of 4 of the following standards to be deemed eligible okay. are you ready yeah here we go so there's four here standard they list them in letters standard a on-screen representation, themes, and narratives. To achieve standard A, the film must meet one of the following criteria. A1, lead or significant supporting actors. Lead or significant supporting actors. At least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an unprecedented, underrepresented racial or ethnic group, Asian, Hispanic, Latinx, Black, African American, Indigenous, Native American, Alaskan Native, Middle Eastern, North African, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islanders. Okay, so other not, so not white. Got it. Not white. Gender ensemble or uh, gender gender ensemble cast. At least thirty percent of all actors in secondary or more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities who are or who are deaf or hard of hearing. And then the last uh, part of this first criteria, main storyline subject matter. The, the main storyline theme or narrative of the film is centered on an un, underrepresented groups group or groups, women, same as before, women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities who are deaf or hard of hearing. So that's the first of four okay standards okay yep standard b by the way if you want to read along because there's a lot of stuff here i'll sit the blank yep there you go because it could be the way it's written is not made well for reading out loud reading out loud yeah yeah standard b creative leadership and project team to achieve standard b the film must be one uh, one of the following criteria um so creative leadership and department heads, at least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads, casting director, cinematographer, composer, costume designer, director, editor, hairstylist, makeup artist, producer, production designer, set decorator, sound, VFX supervisor, writer, are from the following underrepresented groups. Basically not straight ones. white men. Yeah, yes. Exactly. At least... At least one of those positions must belong to the following underrepresented racial or ethnic groups. That's from the longer list I said before. B2, uh, other key roles, at least six other crew. This is the other option for this one criteria. At least six other crew teams, crew or teams, and technical positions, excluding production assistants, <laughs> are from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. These positions include, but are not limited to, first AD, gaffer, script supervisor, etc. Why did what did you find funny about that? Because the production assistant that literally is just, I, I think, a lot of people in Hollywood just think you just hire the person at the coffee shop. Like it oh, is such, God. it's one of those jobs that isn't really respected because it's sort of like, yeah, you can breathe. Come over here and do this. So you could totally see them thinking someone's just going to hire the black barista. And yeah. hey, black guy with a limp, yeah. come here. Yeah, <laughs> come here. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Six. You got any friends? <laughs> Bring me a coffee. But as quick as you could limp it over here, get yeah. it over here. We, we need uh, all right. 
Yeah. The third, uh, the third option of this one criteria is overall crew composition. At least 30% of the film's crew is from the following underrepresented groups. And then it goes into the same group as before. So these are two of the possible four. If you hit these two, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You can't hit one of these two. You have, you have other options, which is you have a lead who's not white. You have a, no, no. The first one is a leader significant supporting actors that come from a different racial group. So you you can't just have a bunch of white. You can't just hire a bunch of white women. You got to hire. Oh, it doesn't even say women here. This is just talking. No, about that's what I'm saying. Like it's not a race. women thing as far as the one of the lead actors. It's a it's a underrepresented minority thing versus yeah. the general ensemble cast includes women into that group. That's the difference. Is basically some of these yeah. include but you women. Have an option you can yes. do any of yeah. these three things in the first thing. So yeah, either you have a so either you have a not white person who's a significant actor who's who has a significant role a um you have a 30 percent of all your actors are basically not not straight white men um or straight men basically um yeah because oh yeah i suppose so because that would encap racial or ethnic group basically includes yeah so if it's not 30 percent have to not be straight white men and uh main storyline subject matter has to be around or or it has to be around an underrepresented group which right. is around not a straight white man. Right. so those those jobs are number one number two is diversity in the team itself people yes. who are running the show people who make the movie yes yeah exactly there's there's already some ways i could see to game the system but we'll i mean but i i've got a real thought on this by the time you finish cool um, all right so let's yeah. keep going and i'll try to go a little bit quicker here so standard c uh industry access and opportunities to achieve standard c the film must be must be both criteria criteria below paid apprenticeship and internship opportunities the film's distribution or financing company has paid apprenticeship or internships that are from the following underrepresented groups we talked about that before um the majority the major studio distributors are required to have substance substantive ongoing paid apprenticeship internship inclusive of underrepresented groups i was just saying the same thing over and over again i'm going to skip past this one yes training opportunities and skill development crews the film production distribution and or finance company offers training and or work opportunities for below the line skill development to people from the following underrepresented groups same as before um so that's the third criteria option and then the last audience development to achieve standard d the film must meet the criteria below um, so there's just one mercifully representation of marketing, publicity, and distribution. The studio and or film company has multiple in-house senior executives from among the following underrepresented groups must include individuals from underrepresented racial or ethnic groups on their marketing, publicity, and or distribution teams. Uh, we've talked about all that stuff already. Yep. So all categories other than best picture will be held to their current eligibility requirements. Um, I don't think there's a reason to explain beyond that. Yeah, so it's pretty it. much the only thing that has to follow these are the best picture categories. Now, two things I want to bring up. One, this isn't hard. No. Like, if your movie's not eligible for this, I don't think you've made a movie within the last 10 years, which is why it's kind of, I'm kind of like, how, like, I'm looking at the list of movies and I'm like, which of these movies doesn't qualify, right? Like, let's just go through last year's, right? So Parasite won. Parasite hits all of those criterias. Yeah, because it was a foreign film. At least two of this, right? Because it hits standard A of all lead or significant actors. At least one of them has to be an underrepresented group, which all of them were. 
Um, and then creative leadership, I'm going to make the assumption because it's a Korean film. It's of the, you know, most of the crew is probably Kore- Korean of some fact or Asian descent, right? So I think like it already hits the first two. It probably hits all of these. Really, I mean, maybe not the unpaid, the paid apprenticeship and that type of stuff. Well, that's the um, thing. If you're talking about if they do that, then again, it's a Korean film. So yeah, so we all Korean, done, right? So I'm looking through this list. Ford versus Ferrari. Does that make that cut? If you were to guess, that's a tough one, right? Because it doesn't hit. Well, that's the thing at the start. So what I think is at the beginning, like at this first standard, is the hardest one to hit. Because you're basically, if your story, if the story you want to tell doesn't conform to this, Ford versus Ferrari right. doesn't hit the mark here. No, which which again, which I think is fine. So okay, right. so you cross off so the first what, one, what right? Going to the the creative and leadership project team. Yeah, what is it talking about here? So at least two Makeup of the artists, following producers, production yeah. designers, set decorators, sound, hairstyle. Uh, I was just about to go to a really. <laughs> I was about to say, wow, you almost yeah. went there. You stopped yourself. You knew what I was going to say. I knew what you were going to say. Don't say it because you're, you're already on thin ice. Before I say it, am I wrong? <laughs> but I'm just saying like because I, I know what goes into making a movie, right? If I name casting director, cinematographer, composer, co- costume designer, director, editor, hairstylist, makeup artist, producers, production designer, set decorator, sounds, and VFX supervisors, I'm guessing at least half of those people in leadership posi- positions are women. I guess that today. Can I say that 10 years ago? Probably not, right? I would say right now, if you're making a movie in Hollywood, half of those roles are led by by two. women in if you, have two, if you have two makeup artists who are well, women. Well, you know what? Not, not even women. Criteria. Not even but women. Let's just say women, that. Racial ethnic groups, LGBTQ plus communities, people with cognitive or physical disabilities, like all of those. That's a really wide berth. That's, a, that's basically everyone except for straight white men. And if you're if yeah. all of these roles are straight white men and you can't hit this, what movie are you making? <laughs> like what movie are you making that's got a stray, you know, stray white man as a set decorator, production designer, producer, makeup artist, hairstylist, costume designer? Like what movie are you making? <laughs> like look again, again, I'll be very stereotypical, just like you could say most yeah. visual effects supervisors are straight white men, although there are obviously people of color and women. But I would argue that most costume designers, the overwhelming majority of costume designers are, are probably women, right? Now, whether or not they're black women or white women or that type of breakdown, I don't know. But I say that there's roles in here that historically have catered to women being very successful in them, right? Like the costume designer for Black Panther, right? She won an Academy Awards, black woman who made awesome designs, obviously, for Black Panther, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of obvious that you would hire her and you wouldn't just hire some dude who's like, yeah, I read a couple of books on African history. Let's get a dashiki in, in the lip plate and we're good. Right. Like, I just assume you would want that attention to detail that a woman who's a costume designer and has a background in that would would again. Why would you not hire that person? Like, why would you yeah. skip her? Just because she's it just doesn't make sense to me. It blows my mind that this is even a question that you can't hit two of these. So if you're complaining yeah. about this, you're a monster. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. Half of the population is women. I, I, there's no way yeah, you're, you're not going to hit this. You're yeah, a monster. Yeah, yeah. You're a monster yeah, if you're exactly. not able to hit these criteria, which is my first thing, right? Because again, like Ford versus Ferrari, I'm just trying to think of some of these movies. Like some of these movies, again, straight white men in these roles, Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Joker. Um, well, I'm going to go to the Ford versus Ferrari uh, IMDb because they, they list everybody in those things, right? Not just the they, they list the crew as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, like here. if you can find that the majority, like you can find at least 30 percent women, right? At least. And that's really that's a really low bar. Like they're not asking for much. Wait, I which, gotta, yeah, let's see here. 
They don't. Oh, they don't list all the other stuff. I thought they do. Wasn't full cast. Oh, no, oh, that was the... <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So I'm going to skip past the cast here. Let's go here. Let's just go to. All right. It's produced by. Let's see if I can find a lady here. Um, OK, no, no. Wow. Not one. Fry might be on this list. <laughs> Fry. Uh, let's see. Cinematographer. Oh, but I, I don't know. D.A.N.I. Is that a is that a lady? I don't know. Danny, I would assume so. But again, but you don't know. It's hard to tell by names, but yeah. Yeah, true. And then, uh, you know, Geno, I don't know what that is either. Um, I'm just going down the list here. Film editing, casting, Rana. Is that a is that a lady's name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she. So she said in IMDb. So there you go. We got we got one. I just need two. I just need two on this list. <laughs> That's so, what I mean. This is how like, so it's easy. not a yeah, it's Who not a hard that? criteria. Casting by Rana and then uh Francois is a dude, right? That's definitely a yes, dude. That's a dude. Uh art direction. Here we go. And we, and we have a supervising art director, Maya Shimogu- Shimoguchi. So look at that. Asian and probably a lady, I assume. I have no idea. You would assume? Yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Again, like, uh, I, like do you have to submit these names to be like, hey, we had enough black people in here, we had enough this people in here? Like, do you make up like, how do you Boom. found found a Jennifer Aspin- Aspinall? There you go. Makeup, makeup artist. Okay, I, I just don't think this is I think Dude, this criteria is this criteria is like literally just like <laughs> for her. She's got a she's got a headshot on IMDB. Good for you, Jennifer. You you care. It's it's so basic. Like, if you're not doing this in a movie, what movie are you making? I really think if I went down this list of movies. Even a movie like 1917 or like movies that are sort of depicted about war in Europe, which is obviously going to be a lot of white dudes, right? Even that movie, I'm going to argue, if you don't have costume designers and people in these roles to make up the movie, what? who are you grabbing all of these just straight white men from? Do we have enough straight white men in the world to just make a movie with straight white guys? Does that exist? yeah it definitely can but you'd actually have to try go out of your way you'd have to (laughs) yeah you'd have to go out of your way and decide up front i'm just making a movie with straight white dudes nobody else for us by a straight white dudes movie we're making it and it's about you it's a story about you by us so yeah i don't i look at this and i look at the winners for best picture right parasite green book shape of water moonlight Spotlight, Birdman, 12 Years a Slave, Argo, The Artist, maybe it's just got a bunch of white people in it. That's a bunch um, of French, yeah, it's a lot of French people. Um, the King's Speech, which is historical. Like, again, I just still, but again, there's like women in these movies. There's, there's, you know, there should be, and again, the historical stuff's a little hard. If you're telling a story about 1920s England, you're not going to really be depicting black people in the best light, I guess, right? So, but you should be able to have people in these creative roles, in these leadership roles, to make yeah. these films. Like that's what I'm like. This there's not a reason even, why you. Yeah, this isn't even leadership. Like no. <laughs> this is just, no. It's it's real this, basic. This criteria is wild. So let's move to the next one though. Um, industry access and opportunities. So that's where they talk about the apprenticeship and right. internship opportunity. This also seems like a pretty easy one to do, especially from the from the studios, from the big studios, right? Like what Disney owns half of the movies now, so you know Disney's not doing this shit. What are you doing, Disney? And again, and Disney, you're talking and Disney's about one of the people who are probably pushing for some of this stuff. Yeah, you're not talking the, the way I see this. You're not exclusively doing towards these people. 
But the fact that you're allowing them in, like, again, if you're casting that wide of net, the population, the amount of population alone that you're trying to recruit here, you're about, you're going to have women. You're going to have, uh, you know, not white racial groups. You're going to have LGBTQ plus people. And yeah, I don't know about the, the physical disability. I would assume so, though. Yeah, you're probably going to get some of those people, too. And look, we're talking about best picture here, right? Like, we're not talking about short films. We're not talking about any of the other criteria, right? Which, which again, I would say is fair, yeah, right? Yeah, like, like, like I can see if you're, yeah, I can see if you're just a bunch of white dudes in France and you're making a movie about your childhood and there's like six of you and you're just like, we don't even have a makeup design. Like, it's me. Like, I'm, I'm all of it. I'm the makeup artist, the hairstylist, the editor, the costume. I'm all these roles. What do you mean I'm not out? It's only for Best Picture. You'll never be eligible for Best Picture unless you're one of these productions that has a ton of money put into it. So if you can't, again, I, I honestly, I, I think wow, this joke bring down a student film project. Good God. I mean, but again, it's a bunch of white dudes, right? Like if it's a bunch of white dudes making a film, I don't want to punish them for like the, you got to do it with right. deal with, right? Yeah, I'm just saying when you tell somebody, you know, you're not, you're not going to get. Yeah, you never be ever Best Picture. Never, never. How, th- this stuff's all orchestrated, dude. It's all these. These are awards that rich people give to each other. There's nothing, Seriously. and again, how, what how, I, how that because the dude they like him. Um, <laughs> that was a real, that was a real dismissive Trumpian response. <laughs> um, look, I, I, if you want to know my opinion on this in general, I honestly think that that B should be mandatory. I don't think you should get an option out of two of these four. I think you should have to have one that's a mandatory inclusion of your film and then you have to do two out of the other three like b to me if you're not doing this you shouldn't be able to get around this right you can get around a because you're making a historical depiction of something right i totally understand that but then you should be able to hit the other two of industry access and audience development you should be able to hit either of these other two i think three should be absolutely mandatory because if you're not doing b then you're then you're i don't know what something's you're doing wrong. Like, I something's, something's wrong. really well, wrong right the fact that you've never hired a woman <laughs> it's nuts nuts <laughs> to me it's absolutely nuts in hollywood that you ha- that like b is an option to me with your creative leadership and project team yeah like it, it, to me it's just like there's so many roles here that you can't fill with basically i'd argue 75 percent of the world's population half of them are women and then i'd argue that there's 25 percent of the rest of it is some either race racial or ethnic group or lgbtq plus or has a fit cognitive physical disability right how many straight white men with no disabilities are there yeah like, with you, no you cognitive, again like you if you have a production of over like a hundred people you would have to try hard i think you have to, to try really hard to make it all like perfect that perfect straight yeah. white men like like, yeah. I, like how would you how would you even make that movie that's why i just think b i think the fact that b is even an option is real silly you could make me. it it would just be it would take forever to fill up the those roles how would <laughs> yeah i agree i don't think you'd be able to find those people i don't think you'd be able to find enough people which is why i think b is kind of a joke because i think every single movie in the world should hit b What's like I, again, I think it's hard that you know by yeah by numbers alone you would also have to be asking people are you straight like, yeah, which is yeah. real interesting one. I don't yeah. know how you, yeah, you I don't know how you even qualify that. about any of this stuff. Like all of this stuff, if you were trying to if you were trying to artificially get a criteria for this, it would technically be illegal. Because for one of these things, because you'd be like, all right, what do we got? Oh, well, this one has to be filled by this. It's like, well, wait, you or the can't, disabilities, right? That's as well. I don't think you can, right? If you're you hard of hearing 
just like you can't and th- this is where i get like a little this is where things where people kind of lose the plot a little bit you can't discriminate one way or the other right even though but when it comes to hollywood you kind of can you can but you should yeah. but you technically you shouldn't be discriminating at all but obviously there's bias built in right it's, so this is just a matter of numbers like there's yes, a, this is there's trying a to show. fix that bias it's trying to fix bias of a bunch of white guys hiring people that they know right it's forcing like them to get outside of their comfort group or their knowledge group which again it's not 70 it's got to be 75 percent of hollywood fits into one of these roles i mean i'd even maybe stereotypically argue 85 percent of hollywood technically fits into one of these roles um there's a lot of people out there in hollywood that probably can say they've got cognitive disabilities or they're part of the lgbtq plus community if you really ask them right like i think that's a much wider net than people give credit to i just think that the people in charge have overwhelmingly been straight white men who control studios and control the money right because hollywood the problem is the money there's a lot of people out there who want to make make movies but they're not getting the money to do so from the studios because it's the straight white guys at the top who are preventing the money where I think B like the creative leadership and project team, how do you let go of some of the money? You get those guys out of there and just hire these people, which shouldn't be hard. They exist. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that at the end of the day, when we actually get to 2024, the, I think there was a reaction to this, of course, that people were like, oh, my God, this is crazy. They like this is ridiculous. And they probably just read the first standard, didn't even read the part where you have two of these four standards. But when you look at this, nothing's really going to change because the people who are putting forth these pictures, these movies are already doing B and C and they're good as they should be. Right. I don't think if it was just that first standard, I would have I would have a problem with it. The fact that you have these two or four choices, and you're like, okay, got it. Because if if you did just have the first one, it would restrict the type of stories people want to tell yeah. and kind of shoebox people into. I mean, there's already Oscar bait as it is, but if you're going to tell like, oh man, there was that really Oscar baity uh, JFK movie, like Greenland, not Greenland. Um, or there's the Jackie like, movie, Park, right? Park like Park the Jackie O'Neill. Anytime, anytime yeah. a white person dresses up as a historical figure. There's a chance that you don't hit that first criteria. Like, I would argue that um, The Darkest Hour doesn't fit this first criteria, right? Right. 1917 doesn't fit this criteria. Like, there's just a ton of movies when you're telling stories about English white people that you're not going to have a lot of minority. You're not going to have Asians in there. You're not going to have black people, Latinx people. You're not going to have these people when you're talking about, you know, 1800s England. Um so, but again, I I think then if you can't reach that, you have to do the last two. Then, if you're gonna make keep making these historical stories about how great white people were in the 1800s, then give some industry access and opportunities for some young people who earn of this to learn how to make movies and get your marketing team to be not just a bunch of white guys selling movies to a bunch of white guys, right? Like yeah. uh, to me, that's why I think the third category should just be standard. It should be you have to meet this first this standard B, and then after that, you can pick two out of the three out of these bottom yeah. ones. Or one of the three, right? Two. I'd say two. No, that's what I'm saying. I say B is mandatory, and then you still got to pick two of them. Because if you can't do one, you got to meet the last two. And if you can do one, then you have an option, right? If you can do one and you're making a different story, then there's not a reason why you can't get a marketing team that's got, right? If I'm making 12 Years a Slave, the marketing team should have some African Americans in that group, right? Like it should. So, yeah, that's why I'm just like, this is why, like, if you're making a movie about slavery or you're making a movie about apartheid in Africa, hire some South Africans who live, like, hire some of these people to market the story that's about them. 
Like it's that type of stuff that I think should be just no brainer. And that's why B existing is a real cop out for this to me. I think B makes this, it makes it too easy to hit. Well, now, you know, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's funny. Cause like going into this, I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I actually didn't know about the, the choice and all these things. And I was thinking it was just that first one. Yeah. So while reading through it, I was just like, yeah, this all seems pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, if it's just the first one, then sure, right? You're not going to make a lot of movies. Like, does Lady Bird get made with just the first one? Probably not. Uh, no, because it's not. Uh, well, no. I haven't seen it. But yeah, I would assume yeah. it doesn't, right? General ensemble. Yeah, because of the ensemble cast. Yeah. Okay. At least 50% of all actors in secondary or more minor roles. And that, that movie was like all, it was all women. A Star is Born does, right? Dave Chappelle's in it. <laughs> Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you got him. You got you got Lady Gaga. You got you know, there's a whole bunch of people. Someone's probably gay in that. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. All right, shall we move on? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's briefly touch on some political talk here. I'm going to put a hard stop. Oh uh, um, yeah, she she goes to a drag bar at some point in the movie, right? I don't I believe. remember that. Yes, I believe she's 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 a waitress or she's a bartender and then sings at a drag bar because there's a drag bar. I'm reading this. Additionally, Shangela Laquifa Wadley appears at a drag bar as a drag bar MC. William Belly is a drag queen Emerald and Ron Rifkin is Jackson's rehab therapist. So, yeah, yeah, there's totally. Yeah. Again, I think even this movie, right, meets that criteria in some way. It's not hard. Like these rules are not hard. But anyways, continue. Sorry. Black Panther would would still get that. Not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Yep. For sure. Um, all right. So let's do a little reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish here. Um, this let's just talk in general. All right. I don't have an article to read from, but we were uh, we were talking about this a little bit before. You think we've we're past the point of no return. I didn't think we were until the last month. <laughs> I really thought that like, hey, we vote about and things get better. I think the next four years of whoever president is is going to be a disaster. I think if Trump, it's even more of a disaster. I think we're too far gone for even Biden to come in here because Biden's not really a savior anyways. Um, no. Yeah. So the more and more that I hear about the news in the States, the more and more I think we're past the point of no return. It's going to be this decade is going to suck. For Americans or for the world? For Americans specifically, I think it's going to suck for the world the next five years. But I think for Americans, I think I really believe this is the end of America being the top world superpower. We'll still be important. We'll still be a superpower. I think this is it, though. I think we have hit that point where America, again, and we're already probably pretty close, right? Where China is already, I would argue, is close to making just as much money as the U.S. is. They have just as much influential power around the world as America does. India is up and coming. Um, there's some of these other places that you know, financially are going to be a point where with what we've done in the States, these other industries, like even China, right? You hear about them trying to reduce emissions and doing all this stuff very quickly. I wouldn't be surprised at all if China is the most, is the richest country in the world by the end of this decade. It wouldn't surprise me at all. How much, how much of that do you attribute to Trump? He accelerated it. He hit the he hit the gas on this thing. I think we are probably inevitable over the next twenty years, just because of globalization, right? But I believe that Trump has completely accelerated this thing by his he's he's taken America backwards when the rest of the world is moving forward. 
if that makes sense. Like America is now spinning its wheels. We got stuck in the mud and we're spinning our wheels talking about issues that most people, if you would have asked them eight years ago, we solved most of these issues, which is interesting because I don't think we actually did solve them. But the perception was, well, we, we got a black president, right? Things are getting better, obviously, right? Hey, the economy's doing good. Hey, people are making money. Everyone's happy. Lowest unemployment rate. The stock market's got all of those things, right, over the last eight years. People were starting to feel, okay, 9-11, right? We got bin Laden. Things are getting a little better. The world, America's a bit safer than we, we felt in 20, you know, in 20, uh, or, 2001. yeah, 2001, sorry. Yeah. The world's safer than we thought, you know, look, we're, we're, we're on a track to being a safer world. And I, do you feel that way now? Like, you know, asking the question, are we better off today than we were four years ago? Right. That was the, the answer is uh, clearly no. This Reagan said that or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm with you with the accelerator and the kind of cult mentality. I think everything we've basically seen kind of a perfect storm of of yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. This year is not even the the cause of it. It's like everything that's happened over the last few years, and even even before that, even before Trump, when Obama was president, that's when we saw like a partisan divide. Of yeah, which the Tea Party whole thing really yeah. existed before. I mean, it definitely existed. There was always partisan politics, but you know, it seemed like the existence of a black president really accelerated the team mentality, and to the point, and that fueled by Facebook and these other social media points that allowed people to you know take shelter in a group and not be exposed to anything else or reality and find whatever kind of facts they wanted to reinforce their viewpoint. Like all that started like a decade ago. If you know, like that, that's where all that stuff really started and to start brewing up. And it, it's only getting worse and worse. Like Trump was a result of Obama, right? Yep. Like Obama made made fun of him and all that stuff, but he made fun of him because Trump's step into politics was saying that Obama wasn't born in this country. Yeah, he started the birtherism. That was all Trump. Like and people he, still yeah. believe that. I bet if you sh- full full fat a- ask Trump, "Hey, do you think Obama was born in this country?" He'd say no, or he'd give you some roundabout answer because he can't really answer any questions himself. Yeah. But it's the art of sowing that doubt, which is basic, and the and doubt in general around anything, and being vague and giving these promises and dabbling in conspiracy theories. That's kind of driven most of his at least his public persona cuz you know there's stuff behind the scenes like i saw something that he he apparently did sign into law now it's probably voted in by the congress where they where it's a federal offense for uh for like animal cruelty cool he did that we'll, we'll give him credit for signing that thing great but it, the public persona and what's really going on is like absolutely it is awful and it's all baked into this like he's talking about deep state he's the president like he's talking about how all these guys are out to get him. It's like, dude, you're the president. Well, you're he the blamed guy. Old Biden. He blamed that old Biden. That uh, no, that old Biden. That Biden. Uh, Biden. <laughs> oh, Biden. I'd vote for old Biden. <laughs> yeah. For uh, for <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't change his name to old Biden. <laughs> um, he he blamed like Biden's response wasn't as good as mine, and it's like Biden's not the president. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like he's going to project. Meanwhile, he's the president. He's going to talk about how bad everything is, and he's the president. 
He's like, like yeah, the- if you vote for me again, we'll fix all these problems. And it's like, you caused these problems. Yeah, it's like, look at the streets. That's Biden's America. It's like, bitch, you're still president. Like, That's your America. Yeah. <laughs> you're the president. But it's the liberal governors. It's the liber- it's the liberal mayors. Always their- I've never seen him. I've never seen him admit to being wrong ever. Ever. Is, it, never does, do people not see that it's just a red flag? They're like, everyone's wrong every once in a while. No, everyone no, has he, to admit that they're wrong. Like, yeah, look, I've got that one wrong. I messed up. He's never admitted that about anything. That's anything. why. Yeah, but it. But what I'm getting towards is the doubt that he's that he's seeding and giving towards his base now is the most dangerous doubt yet. Yes. And that is kind of the same thing he was saying going into 2016, but now it just feels worse. Because he's already the president. That's the thing that's crazy. He's now saying, like, they straight up asked him, will you accept the results? Will there be a peaceful transfer of power? And he's like, well, we'll see. No, the answer is yes. (laughs) It's a very simple softball. Yes. And now you look at these right-wing sites, and I look today because I was curious, and they're talking about, oh, my God, they found nine ballots in Pennsylvania, like the justice department released a statement saying nine ballots were found in a, in Pennsylvania that weren't counted. And the seven of them were for Trump. And it's like, well, why would the justice department come out and say that? Like they, like they could come out and say, yeah, we found unmarked ballots, but they shouldn't say they, they were voting for Trump. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of a problem. And that, and that everybody's crying foul and going apeshit over nine ballots. It's like they, they talk about how election fraud is crazy, how mail-in ballots are going to be fraud and all these other things. They're really doing everything they can to get this to stack the deck against whatever forces. Because I think even if you force everybody to go out and vote at this point, people will go out and vote. Well, the problem I think with they it will. as well, the problem with it as well is that this base is, again, because they're so, like I said last week, right? They're more interested in winning, which is why they're winning, right? Of if we win, it's because we're great. If we lose, it's because they cheated. That's literally, that's literally the argument of like, hey, there's going to be massive voter fraud, massive voter fraud. This is awful. If I lose, you know why. But if I win, it's because we did it the right way. My people love me. And it's yeah. like, it's it's literally like, there's no, what's the defense against that? Like, if you win, no one cheated. But if you lose, ever, that definitely cheating, definitely cheating. There's no way I would have lost. I was destined to win and they cheated against me. So it's like, well, if that's the case, why even have an election? Yeah. If it's one or the other, right? So that's why it's nonsense. And you well, that, can't that's argue. That's what they would like, right? Yes. They would, would like yeah. that. Yeah. And no one's really – the amount of people coming out and speaking against him in the Republican Party that's saying, yeah, what, what? – no, that's not true. We're going to accept the results is very small. Like, yeah, because I'm telling you, man, they want to win. They want to win. They have now prioritized winning over anything else. But what would and, they do? Like how how would they – like what do they want? I don't really know. What do they don't want? Ballot ballots? He's okay with absentee ballots. But not mail, just but not universal I guess I, Yeah, I'm a little confused about what the real difference is. I mean, look, I just voted and I uploaded my thing like PDF style onto onto Arizona's ballot. Is he not like to me that seems like more rampant for voting fraud than anything else than like a mail in ballot? Like it's just very weird to me that like he's stuck on the mail oh, because he's an also, idiot. They're also talking about the um the people who are registered to vote, people on the voting rolls who are dead. Or and yeah, it's like, yeah, well, the great, but th- this is this happens every year though. I feel like every year we talk about dead people voting. Every yeah, election, not, we talk about yeah, dead people, people aren't voting. voting. They could be on the voting roll, but they're not just going through. And every time somebody dies, because yeah, if I registered and got hit by a bus tomorrow, yeah. my ballot is still going to reach me. Yeah, exactly. Like I just can't fill it out, 
And Guess so what? It's somebody just like, dies in your house that before you move in, you're still going to get their mail. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. People get mail for dead people all the time. That's that feels like a bigger crime than this because you're clogging up the fucking. Mail. I mean, people are still getting like social security checks and stuff from dead grandparents. Like that stuff happens. And, you know, yeah. there's never a massive out, but, outcry but about that. Like, they, yeah. is an active thing. You actually have to do it. So the fraud doesn't come from the like who's putting those in. And and that's the thing. I don't disagree where if there's voting fraud, we should convict those people. Cool. Let's do it. If somebody commits voting fraud, okay, their vote doesn't count and now and and they get fined, they go to jail, whatever it is. That's why it's a crime. But I got a question the, for you. The statistics of voting of uh voting fraud is so small like it's virtually non-existent it's like point zero 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 four percent i think i saw recently or heard i've got a question for you yeah plus or minus a couple of zeros maybe hypothetical right why do we not force everyone to vote like what's the real reasoning for like again like right. i like like we don't force yeah, anybody but, to do anything here yeah, but so I guess that's my point. Like, I feel like that's one of those things that I go, you know, in order to keep our democracy real, yeah. everyone has to vote. You have to. If you're over the age of 18, you get to vote for two months, right? Starting now until, let's just say, what is it? September 3rd or 4th until November 3rd or 4th, right? Like, in order to drive a car, you have to have a license. Yep. In order to live in this country, you have to vote. Do you think that will ever, I mean, I know you're talking about American freedoms and stuff, but do you think that that should happen? No. Why not? Um, well, I don't, I don't think you should force somebody to vote if they don't want to. And I don't think that you really want everybody to vote that doesn't want to. If you think about, yeah, I mean, think about a, a group of people who just have no interest in politics that you already know. That yeah, but I guess that's my point is that we've more reached more than half the country doesn't vote already at this point we've intertwined politics with everything else right we've we've intertwined politics with public health the coronavirus is not a political issue right like at the core of it the coronavirus is not a political issue it is a pandemic and we've turned it into politics so not participating in politics i don't think it's possible anymore you have flipped the switch where politics is your responsibility because it affects things like public health and education and things that you're t- again you force we force everyone to pay taxes don't we if you work you're forced to pay taxes that's not an option yeah so why is voting not forced why do we not force people to vote we force everyone who gets a paycheck to pay taxes how would you do it how would you penalize people who don't the same way you penalize people for who don't pay their taxes no, you have to. There's a paper trail of that. So what? So what are you there saying? There should be a paper Everybody trail of not voting. Yeah. If you don't vote, you have to pay a fine. It costs oh. you money to not vote. Opt out, right? You got to pay to opt out. Hey, you know what? I learned that in order to no longer be a U.S. citizen, it costs you two hundred twenty-five hundred bucks, and you have to give a reason why. Right. So if you're a citizen, you can't just forfeit your citizenship in the U.S. You can't just say, ah, I don't feel like doing this anymore. It's my right. No, it's not. You're forced as a citizen if you're born in the U.S.A. You automatically become a citizen, which automatically means you have to report your taxes. And if you don't want to be an American citizen, you got to pay twenty five hundred bucks to the U.S. government. Yeah, and yet we don't uh, force people to vote. I wouldn't. Uh, it just seems like 
too arbitrary. Also, I look at the the majority of people in this country are pretty dumb. So I would. But, really but again, the them. dummies are voting anyways. Like education is not a I don't, barrier I don't for think voting. Or dummies voting. I don't know, man. I I'm starting to be because look, Australia. If you register, you have to vote. I don't think you have to register, but if you're registered to vote, they force you to vote. Um, oh, I see. I That's think different. It is different. It's, it, but again, I'm taking it to the extreme. I'm giving you a hypothetical that goes: if you're an American citizen over the age of 18, you have to vote. You have to vote, and we're going to give you more time to vote, so that way there it's a hundred percent turnout because it is legally binding. Unless you have a really good reason, like hey, I'm in a coma, I can't vote, or B, here's a thousand bucks, I decide not to vote. I'm going to pay the money for the privilege, and we pay the money to, for the privilege to not do stuff all the time in the U.S. We opt out financially, so why can you not do the same thing? If you feel so strongly about not voting, then pay for the right to not vote. Yeah, I, I like it. it. I like oh. it. I like it. I'm for it. If I was president, I'd force everyone to vote. Everyone's voting. You love me or hate me, I want all you out there. I'm going to get rid of this stupid registration process. If you're over the age of 18, you're voting. There may be four months to do it. They made voting easier. The, yeah. The way voting in the current system, no way. It sucks. That's what I mean. I changed the system. You have three months to vote. You know, again, if you know now, vote now. If you don't know, then wait for some debates. Wait for some stuff to happen, which the first debate first is Tuesday, debate? which is yeah. I'm not going to watch it live. I, You're not going to watch it? I don't know. I don't want to. I no. Are you done? I, are you are you done? Are you again? Look, you you I would say that you. I would say between the years of 20, when was your peak? cnn watching it was it 2015 2016 when were you like all in i don't know it's always been just background noise for me like for a while it's... have you watched less cnn in the last two years than you ever have in your life yes because right uh, it's, it's overwhelming it's tiring yeah but also i'd say thanks to the last six months alone also because you know i i, I don't know why i've been i've been feeling more motivated to you know, play more games engage more media so that's and I'm like, oh, I don't I don't need to just like kind of dick around and do nothing. I'm not like coming back from work or something like that. It's just like, oh, I'm here. I, I cooked myself some dinner. Now I'm here. I'm just like I'm already kind of recharged in a way, you know. I don't know. There's like an extra process to uh, to sitting down and starting up a game and all that stuff where now it doesn't really exist. I feel more like, oh, I could jump in, jump out. Um, so CNN, sometimes I'll still have it on the background. I'll still wake up and turn it on in the morning. Um, that's usually how I start the day with, um, you know, a little bit of a new day with John Berman. And, uh, you know, cause that, that used to be Chris Cuomo's jam. That was great. Waking up with Chris Cuomo and Alison Camerata. She's still on it, but man, that seems like a lot. <laughs> Chris Cuomo. Well, come on. You don't get up, get after it. That's the time to do it. Like a hot cup of coffee, right? Just being splashed right in your face. <laughs> Exactly, a kapow, like a punch to the face as well. Those like fucking big. He's probably got like big fists, you know. You don't you don't want to take a punch from Chris Cuomo. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know when my peak CNN watch was. It was probably around yeah, 2015, 2016, when election was really gearing up. I, I kind of got interested. Yeah, peak time is definitely around um, primaries. Primaries on either side. Um, 2012, that was a crazy primary. 
that was like the first ridiculous uh, Republican primary, the first time you really saw that many people on a stage before. Democrats blew them out of the water when they had to break it in half for, for this one, <laughs> which is, which is going to be crazy in hindsight. I, I would love to see whatever, because 2024 is election, assuming there is one, we'll see if Trump wins. <laughs> king and we're just like oh no, no if trump it, wins if trump wins I, I i've got all bets off i think we reach into like new unseen territory i really do if trump wins again really upsetting because that's like 35 percent of the population effectively if trump like, wins again i mean you know what? even if even if biden wins I, i'm reaching the point where i don't know what's worse for like the immediate future of america of like the citizens in the uprising if Trump wins again or if Biden wins, I don't know because both sides need, are so agitated. Status quo. If you get Biden, people just the it's really on the do responsibility. You think, do you think that the right? Do you think that the right just just kind of shrugs? They, no, they have already they said they're going to contest this, they, right? It's the responsibility of the right wing media to actually like dial shit back and realize, all right, you guys out. For the sake of this country, you need to just like report facts now. He's Do not you think a socialist. Going to happen unless you really believe he's a socialist. Go ahead, keep keep pointing that. But he's not. He doesn't believe in defunding. Again, the you're thinking rational for ir- for the irrationality of the last four I know, years. But that, I, I think I think a- this is a powder keg that blows up on November third. I really do. I've reached that point where I go. I think in November third, I think there's going to be riots in the street, regardless of who wins, because this thing has become so emotionally charged on either side. I think it, I would hate to see a, a a scenario. I think I think it'll be bad either way. I think if Trump wins, it'll be worse because, you know, you're you just look at the way that people are reacting to the protests that are going on. Those are seen as a liberal progressive movement. And while they're supposed to be protests and supposed to be peaceful protests, there's always someone getting shot. There's always some buildings being burned on fire. It's of course on fire. If they're burned, that's the same shit. Um, but you know, there, there's always easy imagery to point to being like, look at the destruction. I'm living in an anarchist city apparently now. Because Trump labeled New York City as an anarchist city or something like that. I don't see it. Things seem fun. Um, you know, I, I walked back. Like I said, I came back yesterday. At like I walked in the door at 1130 at night. So between 1030 and 1130, I went from Chelsea in Manhattan to Bay Ridge in Brooklyn. And I didn't see one fire. I, I was not abused. Granted, I am a I'm a white man. So maybe that's my my privilege. But I. Uh, didn't look like anarchy to me. You know, some people drinking outside. Cool. Looked like New York, just a lot quieter. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking at. So in that wake, people will be out in, in the scenario Trump loses. People will be out hitting the streets. They'll they'll be protesting. They'll be they'll be going nuts. Right. Most will be peaceful. But you will also see those who are not. You will basically see what we're seeing in these race in in these uh you know race cases reaction right you will probably see that escalated to another level be it by people who want to people who are actually mad at Trump winning people who are opportunists and people who want to and and maga people who are like the people that drove to Portland to antagonize those people by shooting paintballs at them out of a back of a pickup truck you're basically going to have a groundswell of all those people. Whereas in the scenario Trump loses, uh, 
I don't I don't think that first group really goes out. Like, where do they go if it's clearly that Biden's going to win? On that day, they're not again, protesting. He's already he's already told them that if if Biden wins, it's oh, it's want- rigged. It's rigged. It's fake. It's not true. We have to go fight for our freedom because they want to take it away. In that moment, the way the process goes, the those that first group doesn't go out. Therefore, that other group doesn't have to go out and defend unless they go unless they're the ones who then hit the street. Be like, they hit the street before. Now we're going to hit the street to protest that. Cool. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're not the we're not the ones with guns antagonizing people. The simple fact that this is even a possibility, because you, you know what I'm saying, it's not that you can't rule it out. You could not say with 100% certainty that these people are just going to stay at home. You can't say that. I can't say that. Um, yeah. Just like, I, again, I didn't think Trump would win. And here we are, the next Call round. It. And I'm still not sure he's going to. You did call and I'm still, I'm, I'm now at the point where I go, I actually think he's going to win again. I, for whatever reason, I just have that feeling that's like he won before and it was very similar Biden's ahead. Everything's going great, and then all of a sudden, it just turns. Well, let's do the let's do the five thirty eight check. Let's see what we're looking at. Um, I don't, I don't think this is. I I want to keep like I've been looking at more conservative, um, news lately, kind of out of ways to keep my spirits up. It, it's interesting because you you look at it just to see where they're coming from. And I am like, because I want that perspective. I want, I basically want to be wrong, right? Like, I want to not feel the same way that other people are really telling you to feel and how you think you should feel based on all the shit that he's saying, all the crazy stuff that's going on. I want to look at the other side and being like, is, are things really overblown? To the point, give me some rational explanation on why things will be okay either way. And it's just a matter of perspective. I'm not getting it yet. Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I am trying. I'm trying because I look, I'm not registered. I'm not, I'm not registered to any political party. I am a, uh, I am an in- independent. Again, um, I told I, you because I wanted to vote in the primary. It's the first time I've ever called myself a Democrat as far as the state of Arizona is concerned. Yeah. Well, I will. I, I didn't really care. I would vote for again. I'm not really voting for Biden. I'm voting for not Trump. I have nothing against Biden. I, his name is on the back of one of my hockey jerseys. It's great. Obama seals. I got Biden right on the back there. 2012. That shit was made. That's right. Um, so I was a fan since then. And I liked how weird he was. It was uh, it was part of his charm. It was part of his creepy old man charm. But you know what? For the good of our country, I'm obviously going to vote for him for sure. This wasn't ever a doubt in my mind. Um, so the latest 538 has a Biden win at 76%. That's, that's high. <laughs> that's higher than it was last week. Uh, no, maybe it was the same as last week. So yeah, but again, you never know. Cause that also means there's a, you want to do the rounding digits. You want to make it look spookier. There's a one in four chance Trump wins. <sighs> yep. So there you go. Um, all right, let's move on. What do you say? Yep. Let's do it. Cool. Let's do some media therapy. Uh, I know we're still, we're both still, oh, wait, I got a question for you. Who's older? I don't think I did this one yet. Catherine Zeta Jones or Paul G. I feel like you did do this one before. Did I? Yeah, I think you have. Um, I don't remember. So might as well just do it again. Right. 
<laughs> I feel like she's older though. I think she's older, but like close. Um, even though I've been wrong on the last few of them, just because right, I've, they've been much younger. Um, but again, I think she's very close to him in age, and I just can't remember if it was older or younger. Um, she's not. She's like not, within a year. Like within a year younger. difference. She's two years younger. Okay. And happy birthday to Catherine Zeta Jones. Okay, I feel like you did this one before, but uh, you know. Probably did. I'll tell you. you still, know still, still don't remember. I still don't remember how old Paul Giamatti is. I always forget. It's fine. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me because it makes it more fun because I think Paul Giamatti is either 54, 53, 54. But I don't know. So just let's, let's keep it that way. Looking at the Ocean's 11 cast list here. And uh, oh no, actually the Ocean 12's cast list because that was the one she was in. I'm trying to think who I've done from here. Definitely did Julia Roberts. I don't remember doing Brad Pitt. I think we did Brad Pitt. Oh, wow. We'll save that one. Okay. Uh, all right. So you want to talk a little more about Hades? You want to talk about something else? What, no, uh, I'm, what just, do you I'm just playing the game. It's not too much more to talk about other than me slowly getting through it. You've, you've gotten pretty far. I'm still kind of where I was last time we talked. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't even gotten past the third one just because I haven't been playing as much. Guess what? That's not the end of the game. So oh, that's fun. Good. What I found out. Um, there's not a spoiler here, but in order to actually see the true end to the game, you got to basically go through it nine times. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's a lot. a lot of content, a lot of content, a lot of yeah. story in this gets interesting. It's cool. So, um, yeah, I'm, even though I made it through, I'm still motivated to play it. Uh, I'll keep I'll keep going through the grind. Got some backups if uh, if I want to take a breather. But yeah, any anything you're watching? Any any movies? TV I've shows? started watching now. Me and Alice have watched Breaking Bad again. Uh-huh. Right. So I don't know if you, you haven't seen Breaking Bad, have you? Nope. Okay. It's good. It's okay. Still not it better. Feels than like a mountain. It's like that, and Game of Thrones is just like a mountain that I don't really want to climb. Yeah. So we started watching the prequel to Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, which sure, is that's about even lawyer, better. which is about which is about Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> Who is real funny because most people don't know that he was part of Mr. Show, <laughs> which is very, which is very obscure with David Cross. They were a comedy duo, which is very odd to think that now they've kind of taken, you know, he's been latched to this Breaking Bad franchise now for almost a decade. And David Cross, most people just know for Arrested Development. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's good. It's very good. It's it's I think both of these shows start very slow. But we're in the middle of the second season, and there's five seasons total. So we've been watching Better Call Saul. So it's pretty good. I, if you've watched Breaking Bad, I recommend to watch this. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad, I would say go watch that first. All right, right on. Uh, yeah, I, I heard it was quite good. But again, it's getting TV there. It's, take, it's taken a while, but it's getting there. Like the first season was slow, and now we're in the middle of the second season. Stuff's starting to happen. It's good. If I'm watching a show like that, I know I'll just be, you know, I'll bust out my switch anyway and just start. Which is what I kind of do. But again, like you can you can passively watch some of the stuff. And then when stuff when real important stuff happens, you pay attention. But yeah, it's it's sort of you just put it on for a couple episodes, you know, at the end of the workday. And that's it. You move on. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, I've been I've been playing Hades. I I also played about 30, 45 minutes of uh, of a new game. The latest from Vanillaware, 13 Sentinels. The Aegis Rim or Aegis Rim. I don't, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's weird. Um, haven't really played enough of it. I think you'd be into it just by the themes alone. It's basically Pacific Rim in its themes. You know, you get you're, you get transported into a uh, into a mech. You, if you're fighting Kaiju, 
um, and the, all the art is, and it's a strategy game when it's in the combat scenarios. And then the rest of the game is like these, this more story driven adventure style gameplay, but all the art is that vanilla wear hand drawn, beautiful, uh, character art environments has this kind of painterly look to it. Very distinct for their style. Previously they did games like dragon's crown. And, uh, I think you actually have my copy of Odin sphere. If I, I recall do correctly That's on Vita. I believe I do. Uh, so they make, they make some really good games and they have the, the visual chops to, uh, to back it up. Uh, I was thinking about how like a lot of these games I've been playing recently all have like really cool, distinct visual styles to them. Um, and yet all feeling really unique because I'm playing this thing, been playing Hades. And before that was paradise killer. And all of these games are just really awesome. They kind of, they kind of slip through the, the kind of triple a headspace that kind of dominates the media. And especially now when everybody's talking about next gen and you're looking for that bigger, badder thing, like this scene of these smaller devs is really like really special and really uh, driving home some really great experiences. And I, I've been loving it. It's great. Like highlights of the year. I don't know what they are going to be yet. I know Hades is already like up there as one of my top, top games of the year. I, I remember saying like, I don't see what's going to compete with ghost of Tsushima for art direction. But after playing these games, I'm not sure. I think art direction and art. Hades, are Hades art, di- yeah. I mean, but even so, Hades, all of it is pretty good. It's pretty good. Again, I'm I'm just real impressed with how games, and this is why, just personally, as someone who's worked on films now for a very long time, I really believe that. Again, there's more money in gaming, like just in the industry. I believe, right? Gaming is massively bigger. There's more money in games than there is in films. Yeah. Like by a yeah, lot. Sure, it's like, like, yeah. like if you look at the number, Robert, look that up while I'm while I'm talking here. But I believe true. it's I, like it's it's like it's really big. Like it's bigger than you'd think. Where you're just like, wait a minute, that's it's it's like something like that's a hundred billion and that's one billion. Like it's that big of a divide, I think. Um, where like yeah, there's a lot of money in games, and you can tell because there's so much money, and because the money isn't all being hoarded at the top. Like it's really interesting. Gaming to me has become so. If you want to say like what true democracy is in an industry, I believe the gaming industry is actually a pretty fair democracy. There's also there's small business. There's different types of business. There's big conglomerates, and everyone's kind of able to work in the same space. It's very interesting if you look at the way games are made today. Um, and again, I think it's really interesting because a company like Nintendo has embraced this democracy when for a long time, my criticism of Nintendo was, well, you could only buy really, really crappy, you know, quick, let's make money port games and Nintendo properties. And they've kind of single-handedly made, like you said, they made an indie machine. And it's interesting to watch of like, this is, like, if you want to know what democracy is in an industry, it's gaming. suppose so that's cool it's very cool i'm I, all these games i'm gonna again i'm starting to play more games within the last i mean think about it the last basically since the last of us i've played a bunch of games that i probably wouldn't have played otherwise so i've slowly started to come back into gaming which might be something i just decided to go into because i just see that there's a lot of opportunities and it's much more it's much more of a democratic process than having you know five big film companies that pretty much drive the entire industry there's not five big gaming publishers that drive the entire industry there's so many small studios that have taken up some of those spaces it's really pretty cool to see 
So video game. So in 2017, the U.S. game industry as a whole was worth 18.4 billion dollars. Right. Uh, says in, uh, but it says video game revenue is forecast to reach 230 billion dollars by 2022. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, that's what a jump. U.S. US video game revenue specifically. That's a, so. That's I mean, it might even be a hundred billion dollar industry across the world. And if you include no, 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 mobile games, two hundred thirty billion dollars. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah. It could be like a five hundred billion dollar. No, but again, I'm also thinking like I'm thinking like phone. I, I just think total, right? It's saying a yeah. hundred billion dollars is not. Oh, it's yeah. not far fetched. Yeah, games can make more money than uh, than console releases in some cases. Like people, the, that's why Tencent is one of the biggest game companies on the planet. Because they're they're just crushing it in in the mobile space and free to play space. Fortnite costs zero dollars, yet that game makes more money than anything else. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. It's not. I mean that that game has basically improved the technology of a gaming engine. Yep. Fortnite has made Unreal Engine better. <laughs> yeah. Which which is crazy to say, right? Like a free game has basically f- has allowed them to build a to build software. Or to build a development platform that allows for more games to be made. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So if you're if you're into gaming, you don't have to like Fortnite, but you got to respect the hustle for the fact that they're making games better by Fortnite existing. It's not the fact that Fortnite existed as a result of a failed game because it was Fortnite Battle Royale. Uh, it was a result of Fortnite, the original game, which became Save the Earth or something. And yeah, Battle Royale just became this explosion uh in popularity thanks to streamers and all these other things and accessibility whereas PUBG was charging 20 bucks fortnite was free and had this kind of zany fun atmosphere to it it was just struck lightning it was crazy really really interesting i mean hell they 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 premiered a chunk of star wars in fortnite <laughs> I mean, like it's great. There's big marketing yeah, around yeah, Marvel yeah, stuff in Fortnite. in Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they got superheroes in there. They got skins. That's how they're making money. <laughs> they're charging it's people. Not... They had they had a they had an Avengers mode where you could become Thanos or something like that, or Thanos, whatever you pronounce it. Yeah, they do. They do all sorts of these crazy events. They do whatever they want. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. It's really cool. Like, yeah, you get cool, so. It's always changing. It's always different, and they they always keep it fresh. So people keep coming back. And people love it. And I've never played it. So <laughs> you've never played the most popular games that exist. Like you never played League of Legends. You never played Dota. You never played Overwatch. I don't think you played Overwatch, did you? No, I've never played Overwatch. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's real funny how you've never I, played I like play, the most popular games of all time. I did play Apex Legends. Oh, you did? That's, okay. Yeah, I played like one or two rounds of it when it first came out. I thought it felt great. Like this game's cool. And I was done. I'm like, I don't need to play any more of this. It's fine. I like games with endings. I don't know what to tell you. I like games that I can finish, then move on to the next one. Fair feel feel like I've done something with my life, you know. And I don't have to talk to people. Well, with that, next time you're on Fortnite and you're playing, you got a hundred people there paying attention. Oh, I did play a round of uh, Fall Guys. I messed around with that a little bit this week. Oh yeah, that's a real popular game. People love that game. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it's basically like if Ultimate Ninja Warrior was a uh, was a video game. And you got like you're basically going through all these ridiculous obstacle courses and becoming the last man standing. Um, I've made it to the final or or 
the second final uh, round in the times I played. It plays. It's a platformer, and I'm decent at those things. Um, and yeah, there's there's a bit of randomness. There's and it's just it's as wacky as you'd expect. But it was fun. It was cool. But again, just shows why I don't really like playing those games. If I was playing with some friends, because there's like team modes, I'd probably be into it more. But yeah, I'm not. Well, I can get it. I believe I believe the the person who donated our dollar or who I donated my dollar to, Anthony Pass Fall Guys. Let's do it. Yeah. We should do a gaming night. Yeah, we can do it. Get it on PlayStation Plus. It's still Yeah, it's, I believe that's I I don't pay for PlayStation. Oh, online. wait. It was that August. It, you might have to just buy it. <laughs> yeah. just, just get it. If you get it, I'll play with you guys. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's good to warm up before we start uh, slaying some demons in uh in Ghost of Tsushima later this year. Yeah, so we can get used to uh, collaborating. I also have Overcooked. There's lots of games here that Overcooked you can play online, can't you? Yeah, I don't want to play Overcooked. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, then. It's fine. Yeah, it's all right, but I feel like you'll just get mad at me. All right. With that, next, <laughs> next, next time you're playing an online game, just tell people about He's Abroad. Just be like, hey, have you guys heard of He's Abroad? And they'll be like, no, what's that? And because these are the kind of cordial conversations that happen when you're playing online games. And then you say, well, you know, it's these two guys. They talk about some stuff. Uh, it's a podcast. You go to he's You'll see all those links. You go to uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, where, wherever you get your podcast services, wherever you get your podcast, you can go and get that there. And uh, yeah, if you get and if you leave a review on iTunes and tell us about it, uh, John will send you a dollar. So get after it. And then if you if you get that dollar, you can then use that on V bucks, which I believe are the currency in Fortnite. So get your V bucks. You can even maybe spend that on your Roblox dollars. I'm assuming a bunch of children listen to this. <laughs> All right. Until not, next time. Not with your language, they don't. <laughs> they, you're going to learn today. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs>